Hi there, this is Bart Jaworski, CEO of Group 11 Resources. I'm a geologist and ex-mining analyst, 25 years in the industry. And Group 11 is a zinc explorer in Ireland, in the Republic of Ireland. And we've just made a large discovery 20 kilometers away from Glencore's giant Palace Grey deposit, which hosts 45 million tons of about 8.4%. Very good. I'm Bart. I'd like, thanks for joining us. First time we met or spoken, I'm... I'm can you give me a little bit more um, background on, as to, on you and the team around you in terms of in the context of what you're trying to do here? Sure. Uh, so again, my background is technical and financial. So I think that's a, um, a nice blend to have. I, I know the sell side. I know the geology. I know the rocks. And I've spent 11 years here in Ireland now, uh, Canadian originally. It was a, an analyst with Raymond James of Vancouver covering all sorts of uh, metals, uranium, platinum, you name it. Uh, moved here 11 years ago to start the company from scratch with uh, with uh, some Irish geologists. And uh, we started that in 2015 with the idea really of, of uh, finding the next big zinc deposit in this prolific Irish ore field, um, which is the, the land of giants, really. There's some, some of the world's largest zinc deposits in this country. And fast forward, we find ourselves, you know, fast forward, Seven years, 100 drill holes, and about 20 million bucks later, we find ourselves 20 holes into a, a brand new exciting discovery. This is not a zombie. This is not something that's been hashed over before and we're picking up. This is a brand new thing. We cracked the code here about a year ago, and we have we've now have some serious strike length, about over 700 meters of strike length, 20 drill holes, uh, some very juicy looking um, grades and uh, very good widths. Um, and scope for about six kilometers of, of strike here. So things are looking fairly, fairly exciting. And I think, uh, you know, people are just starting to look at us now for the for the very first time in a serious way. So it's an interesting time for us. And when you say you cracked the code, what do you mean by that? Well, we figured out this area. Originally, we started off with one of the largest land positions or the prospecting license area in Ireland. Uh, actually, we were number one uh, uh, back in 2015, 2016. And then we winnowed it down. We were doing a lot of work here, there, and everywhere, looking around for where the best uh, areas are, with the, where we were getting the best joy. Um, and we started to figure out that the Limerick area in Southwest Ireland was a real hotspot. And that is indeed actually where the highest concentration of zinc deposits is in this country. And, but we, were, we started to get some really interesting results out of this Ballywire area. And about a year ago, we finally got onto uh, we got a, a discovery hole of 10 meters of 10% zinc and lead with over 100 grams silver. And germanium in it as well, by the way. We have germanium uh, in here in, in fairly high uh, concentrations. So that was the start of our journey over the last, uh, call it 12 to 18 months, where we stepped out, hit, stepped out again, 80 meters, hit again. Uh, same types of uh, widths and grades uh, to the point now that we just announced a couple of days ago five step out holes over 160 meters and every single one of those uh, holes hit mineralization, four out of five hitting some really, really significant mineralization. So I think that's what's got the market's attention. Yeah, it, it did. You had a good good reaction, which, which is nice to see in, a, in an equity market, which uh, seems, well, somewhat trouble, should we say. Um, but what about the zinc market? Talk to me about that because, you know, the equity market is one thing, but zinc's been on a pretty erratic 
uh, ride over the past few years in in and out of fashion somewhat. So what, what's the long-term hold for us? Well, look, uh, zinc is an exciting metal because of the global energy transition in terms of zinc batteries, wind farms, and solar farms. Uh, traditionally, zinc is used for galvanizing steel. That's about 60% of the demand side. But we've had four mines just recently shut down, albeit supposedly temporarily. Uh, because of the market conditions out there and because some of these mines are running out of the, the really good ore and they're getting into tough tough um, operating conditions and tough grades. Um, so there's that. China seems to be uh, restocking on zinc right now. So I saw a report out of city just a few days ago or yesterday and uh, they're getting a little bit more bullish on the, the, they're increasing their, their price deck on zinc over the near term. So I think the street is repositioning here. And thing that, the other thing I think I'll mention is the, the treatment charges, um, which are kind of a bellwether for the pri- where the prices might be going. And they're dropping, which means the smelters are starting to compete a little bit more uh, uh, for, for the zinc uh, metal, refined metal. So look, inventories are way down. Uh, if you look at the LME Shanghai, it used to be 1.5 million tons back in 2013. Now we're down to you know 0.2 million tons right now. And we're sort of hovering around the bottom. So inventories continue to be quite low. Uh, that speaks to the the economic conditions right now in general. And I think things hopefully are, uh, you know, maybe uh, slowing down a little bit here. But there's also a, a, a maybe improving conditions in China. Uh, as far as we can see, that re- restocking is, is, seems to be taking place. And we see that in the treatment charges. If, on the other hand, there is a recession, then usually what governments tend to do is boost infrastructure spending. And that always means inevitably uh, infrastructure means steel. And most of that steel needs to be galvanized, which means zinc. Um, and met coal, obviously, to, to produce the steel. Uh, you need met coal and you need zinc to to protect it from rusting. Right. Okay. I, I kind of get the theory of, you know, what, what the, this, the scope of the market and the, and the use cases, et cetera. But you, you are, you've got to be certain about which market you're kind of feeding into. You know, China recovering is great, but we've seen them recently with, with rare earths, with graphite, just you know, shutting up shop, and you know, and hence lots of ch- conversation around battery metals around bifurcated markets, um, and you know, critical mineral security, you know, in the West, etc. So, do you have a sense as part of your plan over and above the you know exploration development phase of you know where your product feeds into the market? Well, I think we're very well positioned to be in the European Union. So especially with the germanium as a back burner on the story, because germanium, as as you touched upon there, China produces 80% of the world's germanium, which goes into high-end computer chips for military and AI purposes. So uh, China just cut off, a, cut off exports to the rest of the world for germanium. So to have germanium on European soil is a strategic benefit to all beloved shareholders. Um, and also having zinc here, uh, zinc is a critical metal on the U.S. list, at least, uh, not so on the European list, but uh, absolutely uh, having zinc uh, at high concentrations in Ireland is of strategic benefit. I think that's something that the uh, governments uh, are on this side of the pond uh, in terms of Europe will, will be keen on uh, fostering. And I think it's of strategic value for us. So I think it plays a significant role, especially as, as you say, the world is bifurcating, um, and perhaps those supplies that we are used to relying on in China, et cetera, are perhaps less available to the Western world. Right. Okay. So so let's kind of get back to where you are today. Then um, it's Ireland. 
think, I think in most people's minds, it doesn't sort of strike you as the epicenter for mining. Um, you, you've kind of you've dropped a few names of a few people, or, you know, already mining in country, and you've indicated that it's a good place to, for for mining. But what more can you yeah. tell us? Well, look, it's had sixty years of modern mining history. Belize and Glencore Tech South Thirty Two are all here. Six mines have gone into production here over the last sixty years. Uh, this is, as I said, the land of giants for for some of these zinc, uh, zinc deposits. Tara, for example, is a hundred and forty million ton deposit. Absolutely huge, uh, huge discovery from the 1970s that got put into production right away. The grades are high, uh, 12% zinc and lead. Uh, and, uh, Galmoy, Lachine, uh, another great example. Those are side by side, only a few kilometers apart together. They make about 30 million tons, about 14% zinc and lead. So another really, really significant uh, center of production there for through the 90s and the 2000s only recently shut down. Silver Mines was a 20 million ton deposit at about 9% zinc and lead, again, some with some silver credits. Uh, Tina was one of the first ones in the, in the 1960s, about a 10 million ton deposit. And then you have Glencore's Palace Green deposit, which is yet undeveloped, but it's still growing. It's 45 million tons right now, of about 8.5% zinc and lead. And we're right beside them with our Stolpart deposit, literally a few hundred meters away. So part of the same geological system is our stone park deposit uh, that we have with Arkle Resources, a small arch uh, Dublin, Dublin Junior. We have 5 million tons there of about 11.3% strategic because it's higher grade than Palace Green and it's also shallower than Palace Green next to us. And, and of course, we just made this discovery 20 kilometers away from between Stone Park and, and Palace Green. So I think they, your question was how, how, do, how does ours then kind of figure into this picture, I think strategically, we're very well positioned from a country perspective, because it's a country that has produced uh, mines in the past. And I guess that speaks to the fact that we have infrastructure here, say, as opposed to Northern Canada or somewhere in, in Africa, it can be very remote. And then, then you have stranded assets. They're beautiful assets, beautiful deposits, very rich, high grade and everything, but they're stranded because of infrastructure. Uh, and we've seen that all over the place. Ireland does not have that because of the of the infrastructure. Year-round tidewater, roads, power. Um, you have, obviously, uh, proximity to European smelters, another key point. We have clean metallurgy, another key point. Some, some assets struggle with metallurgy. They're too fine sometimes, which causes sliming issues, or, or they tend to produce dirty cons with a lot of deleterious metals in them, so like VMS deposits sometimes in Spain or other parts of the world have tend to have those problems. Uh, Ireland tends not to have those problems. They're coarse, clean deposits. So all those things going for you, uh, which A, means lower risk for the incoming shareholder, but also means lower carbon footprint for any miner in Ireland going forward, which again is increasingly important to the Black Rocks and uh, the majors of the world is, is you know, provenance of your metal. Um, if, especially in the future, if, if the, the provenance is going to get blockchained, it's going to be increasingly important where that metal came from. And if it came from a very you know, rich deposit that uh, produces on a very low carbon footprint basis, I think that that might demand a premium in the future. Certainly doesn't now, but uh, it makes makes for cheaper mining costs and, and operating costs. Okay. And, and, and I hear you in, in terms of the, the, the cost savings and, and the environmental component to it as well. What, but what about, and just to finish off the Irish components, I want, I want to make sure people are comfortable with the Irish components. We've seen across Europe, we've seen, we've seen copper mines, we've seen aluminum mines, we've seen 
all sorts of minds struggle when it comes to getting that kind of social license. There's a, I don't know, NGO-led anti-mining rhetoric in, in some spaces, and you know we all have to kind of contend with that every now and again. If from what you're saying, it seems like mining is well established, rule of law is established, um, and the ability to do business in countries well established. I mean, is that the case? Hundred percent. So in Ireland, we have a power sharing agreement between Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, and the Green Party. And Eamon Ryan, the head, head of the Green Party, um, is uh, as on record and, and very much uh, behind the sustainable and responsible um, way of mining and, and supporting the metal industry uh, that is sustainable and environmentally friendly, obviously in the ESG category uh, compliant. So as long as you know Ireland has sort of pushed oil and gas um, out of the way in terms of uh, moratoriums, et cetera, uh, but has embraced the mining industry and supports the industry because I think it realizes in order not to have the oil and gas, we need the metals uh, in order to create the, uh, the future we want for sustainable energy in terms of solar, wind, and uh, batteries. So uh, that, that will require a lot more metal in the future. So it's gonna be a very metal rich future if we push away oil and oil and gas. And so so the government, I think, in Ireland understands that. That's point number one. Point number two is in Ireland, in order to do any work or to get prospecting licenses, it's um, it's uh, community first. So in order to even get our licenses in, in Ireland, um, the community has a chance to ha- have a uh, object or uh, it's uh, advertised in the papers before we get any prospecting licenses. Uh, any questions are are answered, and if all those ant- questions are are then answered, it's only after that that you get your prospecting license. Okay, so so that's a really key point. And then before we do any work, obviously we we uh, ask for permission initially uh, from any of the the local uh, landowners. So every anything we do is always sort of pre-approved before we do it on the ground. So there's a constant sort of dialogue worked into the system here in Ireland. And I think that's a key differentiator as well. And so, um, you know, as long as uh, we take that very, very seriously, that's probably, you know, that's our number one priority is making sure everyone's happy on the ground and we uh, clean up after ourselves um, and uh, do things responsibly. And so that's point number two. I think maybe a point number three is if you look at the Fraser Institute, which ranks global mining jurisdictions every year. Ireland comes out on top, uh, usually within the top three out of 90 jurisdictions, say in terms of policy perception index. So, uh, you know, for a number of reasons, we have transparency of the system, we have low expropriation risk, we have uh, good communications with community, et cetera, et cetera. The the system itself makes sense. So uh, from all those perspectives, we, we tend to rank very highly in terms of our uh, sort of mining policy in the country. Right. Okay. Okay. Look, I'm look. Appreciate that. And so it's just you know when you're getting into investment, you've got to understand the macro. You've got to understand the environment um, and the company's ability to 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 react to those. We better get into the project somewhat here. Um, so Ballywire, um, tell us about it. So so remind me again. How, how did you pick it up? Do you 100% own it? And um, and what do we know? Yeah, so we have 100% of PG West project. And maybe this at this stage, maybe I'll switch to some of the slides and show and maybe walk you through uh, through the slides. But uh, yeah, 100% owned and right beside Glencore's Palace Green Deposit. So so if we look at uh, Southern Ireland here, uh, this is the Irish ore field, 
and, and all the deposits. Ireland is number one in terms of zinc found per square kilometer in the world. And we're in the Limerick area of Ireland. Here's the yellow box. You can see that. I'm just going to zoom in on that. You get this picture. And basically, Glencore and South 32 are, are everything you see in blue and yellow, respectively. We have 76% of the central package. That's the Stone Park project. And there we have the Stone Park deposit right beside Glencore's Palace Green deposit. You can see my cursor over here. And then we have 100% on ground here, everything you see in red. And that's the PGS project. And that is where we have the Ballywire discovery. Ballywire is at the intersection of two mineralizing trends, the Palace Green Corridor and the Rathdowney Trend. So where those two mineralizing trends meet, you have the Ballywire uh, discovery. So if I zoom in on that, you get this picture. You can see that, Matthew, right there. It's um, it's interesting. This is the way it looked in 1997. There was an actual uh, a strong hit here done by previous operators in 97, two and a half meters to 6%. And with a half meter of massive sulfides, that was quite intriguing. But again, that was a tough time in the market for member Briex, et cetera. So a few years later, uh, they drilled another hole, got some splashy results, but over narrow widths, waited another eight years and they, they drilled again, but it but wasn't quite a good enough result to offset the great financial crisis at the time. So to answer your question, this area became open ground and we came on not a year later or two years later, but a whole eight years after this. And 2016, we staked this ground and we took a few years to do our homework. We drilled our first hole, got some smoke, but no fire. Two years later, we finally hit a little bit of fire, three and a half meters, roughly up to 12 and a half percent with 50 grams silver. That was good. We decided to step out three to 400 meters in all directions and bang, that's when we got our first discovery hole. Uh, or our discovery hole, rather, 66 meters of mineralization. In that was 10 meters of 10% with uh, 100 grams per ton silver. And within that, again, was a nice juicy 2 meters of 41% with 385 grams per ton uh, silver. So then we kept on drilling, and um, we got another, uh, you know, all these holes hit mineralization again, every single hole. And the highlight was a 60 meter step out, 10 meters of 9% with 50 grams per ton silver. Kept on drilling, moving to the east. And again, we got one of the best intercepts um, of the whole project, 18 meters of 10% with not 100 grams per ton, but 250 grams per ton now. And not 0% copper, but 0.22 copper. So all of a sudden the copper starting to come in. And that basically takes us to two days ago where we announced five step out holes on November 21st. And again, every one of those holes hit mineralization. Four out of five of those holes hit some significant mineralization. So if I zoom in on that, you get this picture, and basically that's the 710 meters now of strike that we have. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving the detail. But, but have this in the back of your mind. I want to um, be able to value this thing because the, the obviously the market's valuing you right now. Uh, yeah. You know, sub 20 million dollar company, right? You're you're talking some great grace, um, success. Uh, you know, I. With every single drill hole, and and yeah. and you are seem to be spending the money frugally. The company, the, yeah. the market is not giving you credit for that. So if you do go through this, I, I'm happy to kind of get into the detail. But please point out what's important for me to understand as an investor in in the context of the other players out there. And you know, um, I think that'll be helpful. Well, let me. I guess what's what differentiates us versus a lot of other players. And you tell me if I'm wrong on this, but. Investors these days get inundated with some really good numbers, really good drill results every single day. But the key differentiator for us is that, again, like I said at the very beginning, this is a brand new project 
not a zombie project. And, and you know, there's a lot of uh, good projects that take years to develop. SK Creek took 50 years to, to discover. So, you know, I'm not saying anything like that, but this uh, is not a zombie and it is a brand new thing, which means that blue sky is wide open. I guess that's the key differentiator here that we no one's been here before. No one's drilled it. There's kilometers open on, on either side of us. And maybe that's that's where I'm, I'll, I'll lead you so to. Potential, potential scale is huge and scale. great. Huge scale. Right. And uh, I'll rip through these very quickly and I'll show you that scale uh, sure. to the point. I, that's the key point here. It's new and it's got uh, lots of scale here. And not just boost, not just arm waving here, but actual geophysical anomalies that seem to be uh, bearing fruit. So for example, here we had nine meters of 7.5% with 43 grams per ton. The 7.5% pertains to zinc and lead combined. Okay, so that's a really, really nice thickness and a really decent grade. We moved over again. This was an 80 meters uh, step out to the east from previous drilling. And here we got a 50 meters of mineralization include that, included in that was 6 meters of 5% with 23 grams. And it, the sweet spot in, in that was 3 meters of 8% with 38 grams. Okay, so just warming up here. This isn't the best of the, the results. We're just kind of leading up to it. We step out 50 meters north, we've got 85 meters of mineralization and within that five meters of 12% roughly and 84 grams and a nice juicy two and a half uh, roughly meters of 16% zinc lead plus 128 grams silver. And then lastly, which was the highlight of the, the press release a couple of days ago, this 58 meter zone of mineralization within that 33 meters of 4.4%, which by the way is uh, as a grade that some, uh, some miners out there do mine at at, uh, at wide widths, um, Tennessee or other places like that. So we're kind of in that threshold and, and 37 grams per ton. And within that was a real sweet spot of 11 meters of 9% with 83 grams. Okay. And uh, if you look at it along section, so if you look at it from sort of A to A prime along the strike of the system, we have this, this zone here, this new mineralization over here, and that's where the 710 meters is. And what I love about this slide is the fact that all the red lines up pretty much exactly where you'd want it to be. It's all very consistent, which means tonnage potential. You know, we don't have to, it's not all over the place. It's not vertical or or sort of uh, jumbled up. It's all very consistent, which means we don't need a lot of drilling. The geostatistics should be working in our favor here to to put uh, tonnage together. So how does that, how this, does it get mined? But, but if you don't mind me, so like, how do you- Room and pillar. Get, right, okay, okay. Room and pillar is, is, uh, is the typical mining style in Ireland. Ireland is underground territory. You know, there's one open pit that was mined here in the 70s uh, called Gort Drum. It was an open pit copper uh, deposit, actually. Uh, but generally, the deposits uh, are flat lined, uh, almost like pancakes. And so, what you do is you, you decline into it, and then you mine mine to depth, and you follow it to, follow it to depth. Okay. This is what we seem to be having here. I could show you some cross sections. Well, it's very consistently occurring. You know. A, at the base of the wall source of limestone, um, exactly, which is textbook Irish style zinc deposits. So just to answer now your question on scale, so all this area that we've drilled so far, the, the, the press release that we just put out is here, the new drilling. So those are the, that yellow box. And that's 710 meters of strike in terms of what we've uh, what we've discovered so far is, is here. And this is the bat uh, laid over our detailed gravity survey that we put out uh, a couple of months back. And the gravity basically tells you something dense within 300 meters of surface. And we're surrounded by limestone here. So we knew before we started this that it should light up in gravity. Gravity should discern the limestone from the massive sulfides. 
And this is what we got back. And lo and behold, we have an anomaly over top of our discovery area, which again is, is great to see, it means that the gravity is indeed working. But then lo and behold, we found another anomaly to the left and to the right, to the east and to the west that has not yet been drill tested. And that's the really exciting part here. And that is over 2.9 kilometers of strike. And also first, first off, it's a long strike, which, which seems to again suggest this could be mineralization, massive sulfide. Um, and it's over the type of uh, distances we'd want to see to, you know, similar to Lachine or, or Galmoy in terms of strike length. Uh, also, there's this hole from 1997. So if we look at the, the drilling that we've done, plus this outlier hole here from 1997, there's 1.7 kilometers of strike length in terms of where we've, we've seen drill intercepts with robust mineralization. So that's, that's very, very significant. Obviously, that 2.9 kilometers is if you include those gravity anomalies. And then zooming out even further, this was the, the size of the survey, that white box. And if we zoom out even further and look at the regional gravity data, um, you know, we have that, that box that we just did detailed on, but really this is the bigger box where we have not only anomalies B and C, but we also have anomalies A and D uh, all along the Walsh-Warshan limestone there. So it really gives us a broad 6 by 2 kilometer search area. And that is the scale. That hopefully answers your question on what makes us different here. If we take the Lachine deposit, which is again a very profitable Irish zinc mine in the past, and scale that to the exact same scale as the underlying map, you have this picture. Um, and you can see very easily you can fit at least two Lachines into that 6 by 2 kilometer search area. So I'm very personally very excited uh, because obviously if those gravity anomalies are telling us what we think they're telling us, then we've got uh, a very, very exciting story indeed. So, yeah, okay, from a, from a project basis, um, in terms of operational basis, you know, I understand where you're at at the moment and maybe we can get into it in more detail another time. I mean, talk, talk to me about the kind of co the, corp the corporate structure as well and the, the shareholder register. Because obviously Glencore in there, and I guess people are going, well, Glencore wouldn't be in there if this wasn't good. Or would they? I mean, what, 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 how, why are they a major shareholder of yours? Yeah, so Glencore owns 21%. Michael Gentile owns 16.5%. Um, so that's really important to know, and I'm just getting to it here on the slides. So this is the capital structure. So you see Glencore with 21%, the pie chart here on the right. Michael Gentile with 16.5%. Tech has a legacy stake of about 1.9%. Um, myself and David are the, are, are the insiders predominantly. Uh, we used to have 100% of this company as we started it from, from scratch. Haven't sold a single share since inception. As you, as you let uh, other people in the door, obviously you get diluted down. It's the nature of the game. Um, so that's the capital structure. There's a lot of um, s strong supporters in the others category, people that I used to work with um, that have been so very thankfully, I'm very lucky to have those people uh, involved here in Group I'm very appreciative of, of their support and continued support. So uh, a lot of people like that in the others category. And then um, obviously on the uh, share side, 175 million shares outstanding. And we have about $1.8 million in the door. So let, let me know if you want to drill down into any of that. Um, I, I, I tell you what interests me um, with, with things like this is how do companies in a market like this, so I'm being blinded by the sun here as the, as the interview carries on. I'm not complaining. It's sunny in England for a <laughs> <Yeah>. while. <laughs> but... Um, it is a ch it's like a challenge. Uh, I've got to put up with. Yeah. yeah. What I what I am interested in is um, the way that juniors in a market where equities are off, massive disconnect. Three years has been brutal out there, and who knows what's coming next year? Is 
how do you not just manage the narrative and to market about what you're trying to do on the on, on the ground, but how do you change people's perceptions of zinc? How do you change? Uh, how, how do you persuade people that you're still going to be around to actually do something about this one because cash is tied out there, or if it's not tied, it's it's super expensive. So, how are you managing all all of that, the, the money and the, and the message? Well, it's a tough game. You have to produce meaningful drill results every six weeks, and I think you know we're we've got that um, uh, we've got that requirement. Um, uh, on us, uh, I don't want to say gun to our head, but that's essentially when you're sign up to be a, a junior. Um, it, it really is. Uh, it, it really is imperative that you that you're really on your toes and you're really attentive and you're you know it's a it's a full time job, twenty four seven. So that's and maybe this is why juniors are successful, more successful. They tend to be more successful than majors in terms of uh, discovery because you really have to. Uh, produce results and you, you just have to test your best ideas and you know over the last eight years that's exactly what we're doing in terms of uh, obviously starting off with a large lab package winning winnowing that down testing our best ideas if that didn't idea pan out move on to the next idea until we finally hit something that that uh, is of significance and that's that's what Bally wire is but uh, look it's um up and down markets out there interest rates haven't helped um how, how are we managing is we've uh, we've been able to uh, had a little bit of luck here in terms of the discovery we've, we've we're in a very prospective uh, jurisdiction with a uh, track record of discovery and putting things into production so we've been able to attract obviously uh, Glencore and Mike Gentile which we're very thankful of I think we couldn't have done it if we weren't in in Ireland and in such a prospective area and so, uh, with, with that, we've been able to survive and thrive. And so, obviously, I don't have a crystal ball, but hopefully, we we have a new playbook here in 2024. People reset, investors take another look at the markets. As you said, there's a huge disconnect right now between the metal prices, the outlook for the metal prices with the global energy transition, and where the equity prices are. And uh, I've been on the road quite a bit over the last month uh, with the London Mining Symposium, the the Red Cloud Conference in Toronto. I was at the Torrey Hills uh, conference in San Diego. I'm going to this Swiss mining conference there in Zurich a few, in a few days. And there's a lot of people that are uh, sharpening their pencils on this space right now. I can tell you that people that have been around and investing since the 70s uh, that are coming up to me and say, now this is the time. This is the time you make the money because, you know, if everyone's throwing in the towel, this is the time you want to, you want to come in. Obviously, timing is everything and it's easier said than done. But the people that have been around this uh, cycle a few times uh, know that this is uh, this is a very interesting time we're, we're in right now in terms of uh, picking up value. Oh, to take, I one hundred percent agree with that. Contrary investing is is the, the route to success um, if you are going to make real money for sure. But what I what I need to understand, what I need to feel, what I need to hear from from the company is that they're going to be around to kind of collect on the strong mm-hmm. fundamentals that they've got. Because the, they're either being, you know, careful curators of their capital, indeed, or they have a plan as to how to spend that wisely and get either a creative growth or yes, let's go to the moon. Why not? Um, so, but for you guys, what, what, what's the what's the message, Cheryl? Is it steady as she goes for now, with one eye on the market? Well, yeah, we're very frugal with our with our spending. So back in 2019, uh, the the markets were everybody was doing Bitcoin and crypto. Crypto and cannabis, and so I, 
it's very, very tough on juniors. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, brokers out there that were doing any mining deals for years. So at least now, uh, you know, there is there is the global energy energy transition thesis out there, uh, and that helps. Uh, but again, the money that we've had uh, come in the door, we've spent predominantly on the drill bit and and, and uh, let go of uh, uh, rents, uh, let go of, you know, we've had to unfortunately slim down in terms of team size, but we really had to focus and narrow down. We've, we've let go of a lot of our ground position, you know, uh, more like 60, 60% of our ground position uh, we surrendered in order to focus in, and we're going to be continuing to focus our ground position to, to lower overhead costs. Um, our very, very rifle approach in terms of what we do, uh, in terms of investor relations, et cetera. Um, so I think right now, because we have a tangible discovery, uh, it, and it, uh, behooves us to, to really start telling the world about it, which is what we, what we started to do, to do, uh, a couple of months ago. And again, with Michael Gentile support and, uh, and other commentators, I think it's been, that's been really working. So we're very much, uh, selective on what we do in that regard. Um, so including yourself and, uh, and, uh, and your, your excellent platform here. So hopefully with that, with, with that, we can get the story out and, uh, continue to, uh, you know, uh, grow value for, for investors here. I think we have a very solid road ahead of us and I hope investors join us on this exciting journey.